You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And we're talking uh, special agent in charge this afternoon. And I uh, want to remind everybody that... Uh, why is this thing running in the background? What is running in the background? I don't even know what's running in the background. Oh, well. Okay, back to the fact that uh, we're starting our show, Agent in Charge, and we have Mr. Bostic on the line, who is our agent in charge, and he's got some uh, very interesting, uh, a very interesting topic today, which we're all aware of in our own manner, one way or the other, and uh, it's a very interesting and scary situation that we're living through right now as i've mentioned to many people and and sandy and i've talked about it as well uh this didn't start yesterday this started years and years and years ago as we became a threat to the communist and they realized this threat after world war ii they had started realizing it after World War One, and then after World War Two, they realized that we got a real powerhouse on our hands in the United States of America. So, what are we going to do about it? And uh, as they uh, as they built their nuclear weapons, and we built ours, and uh, you know, it uh, it became apparent that. Uh, we were always going to be on one side and the red bear would be on the other side. And uh, it's my opinion that this whole thing has been planned for years and years. So with that being said, Sandy, welcome to your show. <laughs> good morning. Hey, uh, good to be back as always. So uh, just, uh, hey, before we get into this, I mean, it is a pretty, uh, pretty intense topic here. But I just want to last show uh, that uh, we were uh, talking about defunding the police. It was an issue, and, and we got sidetracked on uh, at one before we 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 had the, I ran out of time. We got sidetracked, and, and I kind of lost uh, the point. But uh, if you remember, Dave, I was talking about how much police officers make. Okay, and I gave several different uh, police departments, state police, federal police, and, and ran through what the average salary is for these men and women that, that protect us every day and, and keep, uh, try to keep, uh, uh, civility in our society. And, uh, and as you, as you see, I mean, compared to a lot of occupations in this country, it pays decent, but it doesn't pay a whole, whole lot, you know, not in my opinion enough anymore to, to put your life on the line, like the way you're expected to. And not just your life. I mean, I, my old boss out in uh, in uh, Del Rio, Texas, so if I resonate in charge, used to tell us, he said, guys, he said, you have to be careful. He said, uh, this is about the only job in the world. If you don't do it right, you can go to jail. And this was a long time ago. And, and so, you know, it, it's worse today than it was back then. But I just wanted this to bring to, to the forefront that, you know, a, a, a profession, being a professional law enforcement officer today, whether it be at the uh, you know city level or, or county level or state level or federal level, it's you know you never need to think twice about it because there is a you know there's a respect I have seen that that law enforcement used to have is is uh, I won't say it's non-existent. I mean to watch the news you think it would be, but uh, but it's not where it was back when when I put on the badge and uniform in the, the good old days and and so uh, just so you know so 
my advice like, to people that I get asked a lot by people about, you know, going into different aspects of law enforcement's career is that at this day and age, I really recommend that you look at some or something else. And, uh, because, uh, you know, one bad day at the job in your life is, is, is going to be ruined from then on. Whereas opposed if you went to a different profession, say as a doctor or, or, uh, you know, uh, went into one of the trade professions, you know, you may not have as exciting of a time, but, but you definitely have a more secure life. And so any, any comments on that, Dave? Yeah, I, I do have one and, uh, I'll try to make it brief, but it's just like the military. Uh, and, and basically the police are our civilian military keeping the peace in the United States and cities and, uh, and states. But the one thing that's always overlooked, in my opinion, is the stress and the family. And not only do I feel like you do, I don't think they get paid enough for putting their life on the line every time they put on their shirt and badge and weapon. But it also affects the family, and I think a, a police family should, be it man or woman that's the, the officer, I think that the uh, police family should be rewarded as well because they, they put up with a lot, and you never know the next knock at the door. You know, the uh, the DEA, this is back when I was applying to become an agent, uh, this was a long time ago, uh, they had the highest divorce rate of all the law enforcement agencies in the country. They had the highest divorce rate, and they also had the highest uh, killed on killed while in the line of duty rate as well it, per capita as with the agents that they have. And so, yeah. So, and, and like I say, I I worked counter narcotics for years, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, I did everything you do. Custom, people don't realize the DEA came out of the U.S. Customs back in the 1970s when when they. Uh, when it was decided at the congressional level that, that at the time the, uh, when the, uh, the drug problem became a, a rather large issue in the United States, it was time to go ahead and, uh, and come up with an agency that dealt strictly with, the uh, you know, drug smuggling. And cause, you know, U.S. Customs had covered it. Well, let's say, uh, once they formed the DEA, U.S. Customs continued to work drug smuggling. And, uh, at the same level, sometimes at a lot, at a lot higher Productivity rate than the DEA did until they got running. So just you know, so yes, you're absolutely correct. It, this is difficult on families, and it's difficult. You know, there's lots of moves involved. Uh, there's lots of stressful moments. That's a lot of stress that goes beyond what your average household uh, of say a couple of professional teachers would have to put up with. And so yeah, you are correct. So that's another that's another aspect you need to look at. Is that you know, the bottom line is that you know. Most people who go into law enforcement, you're not going to live to be as old. If you, if you do a complete career, career in law enforcement, 20 to 30 years, you're not going to live as long as your average uh, American citizen will because you have been under stress for so many years. The stress is a killer. I mean, it, it causes all types of, of uh, physical issues. And so, you know, you're lucky. You have, uh, three of my supervisors that retired in their uh, late 50s all died before they were uh, 65. And so another issue to consider going in this line of work. So... But anyway, with that said, we're going to go into our main topic here, <clears throat> and uh, and just uh, and you and I have to talk, talk about this, Dave. And it goes there what you were talking about at the beginning of the program, a a change. Uh, there's a, a a huge movement in this country that is trying to change the way we live, okay, and not just the way we live, the way we think. 
and not just the way we think, but just the way that we were taught to think. And as far as the, uh, you know, they're trying to rewrite history. They're trying to change the way that we govern. And, uh, and there's, I'm going to draw some similarities. If you don't believe what we're talking about, I'm going to draw some similarities to some different, uh, revolutions and some different organizations in the past. And, uh, and you can, you can draw the, I draw a conclusion that there's a very close similarity in the way these, uh, of these, uh, uh, Movements, organizations operate in what they're trying to what they're trying to uh, to uh, accomplish. And so, so, first of all, like I say, we're talking about you know the big issue right now in the news is the riots and the destruction of uh, of uh, federal property, uh, private property, and, and and basically, you know, you don't have you don't have uh, law enforcement is not doing much about it. I mean, if they're doing much about it, you're not seeing any of the reports on it. And uh, but like, and I, I just think it's hilarious that the Congress right now is, you know, they're trying to come up with a, a comprehensive law enforcement improvement bill, and when at the same time they can't even get their own law enforcement agencies under control and doing what they're paid to do. And I'll use an example here, just in the last few days. Uh, what's the uh, the NASCAR driver's name? Bubba Wallace. Yeah. Uh, is that correct? Okay. Right. Well, you know, they, uh, the FBI, the moment they heard that there was potential hate crime where he claims that there was a, a noose in his, yeah. uh, in his, uh, garage that he used to house his uh, vehicles and equipment, uh, they sent 15 agents in to investigate that immediately. 15 agents. What a <laughs> that's waste. Agents. That's, that's more agents than I can use muster up for a, a, a search warrant down on the border. A high, a high, a high intensity, uh, dangerous search warrant. And so, uh, but to my knowledge, maybe you've heard of it, but I haven't heard of the FBI sending anyone out to these riots to try to get those under control. Have you heard anything like that, Dave? <laughs> no. But then again, okay. you look at the, the two, well, no. I'll just answer no. I have not. <laughs> and leave it at that. <laughs> so, obviously, yeah. So, as you see, the priorities here are, are getting really uh, out of control. And, uh, and, like, and I know that I was just I heard on the news this morning. I can't remember the name of the mayor of Philadelphia. He said that uh, he was supporting all the uh, riots in his city and saying, "Yes, this is good for us to have this come out in public." And it was, you know, and the people were you know expressing the way they feel. And, and uh, but when some of the citizens got together and said, "Hey, we've had enough of these guys tearing up our national treasures and monuments." He threatened, he, he threatened that you, he said they were going to get together and protect these different churches and statues and stuff in town. And he said, if you guys do that, I'm going to prosecute you. He's not going to prosecute the guys who are tearing his stuff up. He's going to prosecute those who are trying to protect it. And so, so as you see, you know, there's a, uh, a big, big situation going on here. But what I want to do, you know, is just, uh, and I want to talk about, you know, the, in comparison to what's going on in this country, I want to talk about, Two different things. I want to talk of. Uh, we'll, later in the program, we'll talk about the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in uh, in 1917. And as you know, I spent a considerable amount of time in Russia and, and uh, know quite a bit about Russian history. Not an expert by my, any means, but you know, but I spent enough time there and read about them and and have visited with a lot of Russians regarding their history. That uh, you know, I have a little bit different insight into it than a lot of Americans who've only read about it or watched it on TV know about. About what happened during that revolution, and uh, and then also, you know, I want to talk about a, a organization I'm real familiar with, and uh, 
how they use similar tactics to get control of uh, northern Mexico. And uh, those are these guys, people are called the Losetas. And uh, the Losetas, they were a, uh, even though, you know, these folks that we're talking about here, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, the Antifa movements, which to me nowadays have become pretty much synonymous with, with uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda. I mean, they're just becoming terrorist networks is all they are. You know, Black Lives Matter started out as a good organization, and they and they had a uh, had they definitely had a, uh, a message to put out there that I think pretty much all of us agree with. That uh, but not only do Black Lives Matter, but so do uh, so do Hispanic Lives Matter, so do Blue Lives Matter, and so they brought awareness, you know, to you know a rising issue of violence in the country. But like I believe that the uh, that, that this movement. Uh, has been taken advantage of as being run, most likely that you know by the Democratic Party, to uh, to instill uh, uncivility, anarchy in this country, to once again try to affect a, a, an election. So, what does that have to do with the Zetas? Well, I can you know the reason I use the Zetas is because you know they started out with good intentions. Okay, and uh, these guys, these were, uh, the Rosettas were, uh, originally they were Mexican military uh, soldiers. They were special forces. They were trained by both the U.S. and, and the Israeli uh, special force uh, trainers. And, uh, you know, their main mission at first was to become a, uh, a uh, you know, to protect the integrity and the safety of, of Mexico. As time went by, uh they were recruited by the, uh, I'm trying to remember to make sure all my facts, is back in the 1990s. They were, uh, they were recruited to become the enforcement arm of the Gulf Cartel. And so what happened, I mean, these guys literally, uh, they didn't go AWOL, they, uh, they, they defected. They, uh, they just, uh, mutinied and, and took off and went to work for the uh, Gulf Cartel. They originally went in as the, uh, the, the, the hitman and the, uh, Oh, the uh, the strong arm of the Gulf Cartel, and, uh, and they use and this is kind of you know, like I say I'm kind of jumping forward. This is what we're going to see if this if this movement is is not you know brought into to a check and, and and stability returned to our streets. We're going to start seeing a lot of what one here. I mean, well, this is you know what they did to to maintain order once they gain control. Uh, they you know they use violent acts such as beheadings, torture indiscriminate murder and I'm going to go through a list of uh, the things that they've done here but you'll just be uh, most people don't realize how many people they would kill at one time and uh, but that said what when you uh, Lizetta's you know similar to what we're seeing with this movement where they're going in and taking these downtown areas these towns and and uh, where the police won't have anything to do with them well, Lizetta's did the same thing if they if they gained power in northern uh Mexico, where you know where most of the uh, between their their I believe there's their still house, but their their headquarters is in the way of Laredo, which is right across from Laredo, Texas. Uh, as they gained power, well, of course, then they started to maintain power. They had to you know turn to more and more violent means, just as we've seen with the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in 1917, and uh, and as we also have you know we saw with the uh, with the uh, uh, Nazi, Nazi Party, 1932, and uh, Germany, and so you know all three. Okay, you look at these. Even though the Zetas are, you may say, well, it's kind of a stretch with the Zetas, but not really, because you got to think about where they started. They started out as out to protect the country, 
for long, they believed that what they were providing was more important to their cause than, than uh, was uh, what civility would bring to the other population. And so, uh, and I can describe how it changed Mexico, and in, in at least where we lived in uh, the uh, Del Rio area, and uh, which is right across the river from Acuna, Mexico, then down upriver, 60 miles, is Eagle Pass, Texas, and that's right across from Piedras Negras. And uh, we used to go across, uh, my wife and I and our kids, it was a very safe place, uh, Hidalgo Street in, uh, in Acuna was a really cool place to go. We had shops, they had bars, they had restaurants. The famous Mall Crosby's restaurant was there. Uh, you know, you could go over there, it was safe. You could uh, you could uh, park your car. They had you know guard that would watch your car for you and and uh, and it was it was really a sister city to Del Rio. And uh, but you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of tourism there and, and uh, the, the the towns we used to actually used to uh, to uh, do some training with the uh, the, the Mexican federal uh, police officers over there they come across and we would do some uh, you know qualifications with them we barbecue with them and vice versa on both sides and so there was a lot of even though we we worked a serious job and we were working uh, mostly narcotics smuggling I mean there was it was. That was kept out of the public domain, and, uh, and it was there was a uh, the uh, the man who ran the plaza, as they called it back then. His name was Juan Juan Luis Ardondo Sanchez. Uh, Juan Luis Ardondo Sanchez, if I remember right. So, but he was the, he was the big boss. He was as far as the drugs smuggling went, and the, uh, the 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 human trafficking, the alien smuggling went. Uh, not so much human trafficking, but there was alien smuggling. He was the boss. They called that the plaza. And so while he was in control, he maintained this piece. You know, it was a cat and mouse game that we played with the, uh, with the, uh, the Mex feds and, and, uh, and it's, I mean, not, I'm sorry, not the Mex feds with the, uh, with the, uh, drug smugglers. And, uh, but it was not brought into, it was, it never became a, pro, a, a public issue. And because there, we weren't shooting people in the streets and it was, it had, it hadn't, Come to hadn't come to the point that it did back when the Zetas came in and took over. Now, fast forward a few years, with a uh, when the Zetas came in and took over this uh, the Coahuila, Northern Coahuila, and uh, the first thing they did is I can't believe they did this. They actually let uh, uh, Juan Luis Sanchez to live, but they they took him prisoner and uh, they beat him up and they you know took all his money and they uh, I understand they drove around him with the, with him in the trunk of a car for two or three days, parading him around. And basically, just took over using terroristic tactics, and similar to what we're seeing in, in these riots that are going on in the country. I mean, you control by force, you know, and you're seeing them as they're beating up journalists and beating up preachers that go into these areas. They're not concerned about freedom at all, no more than the Zetas were. So, as you saw this, as you when when uh, when the when the uh, the big boss was taken out and the Zetas stepped in, all of a sudden everything, especially in Acuna, and uh, uh, changed. And uh, where what was once a safe place was no longer a safe place. And you had uh, anarchy. You had uh, thugs pretty much running everything. Uh, they were extorting the shop owners, uh, just like we're seeing today. They were looting, extorting shop owners, taking cars as they wanted them. If you drove a, used to, you could take your vehicle over to Mexico, and if you needed some paint done, paint work done on it, or some uh, some. Uh, you know, mechanic worked on it. They were a lot more affordable than having it done in the United States, and they were just as good, just the same, just good service as you would perceive on the Texas side of the border. Well, you know, people were taking their vehicles over there, and if they liked what you took over, you never saw it again. 
And uh, so over time, uh, you know, uh, there were lots of uh, go to the bars and they were shaking people down. There were buggings going on. So before long, it hit all Gulf Street as we knew it, where we used to love go and hang out and have a good time, kind of like the uh, the Bourbon Street of New Orleans. They just shut it down. I mean, everybody just closed up shop and they left. And uh, and so one of the things that, that always struck me, I had a call one day after this. You know, this was around, I guess it was back around... It was before 2010, so I almost say around 2005, 2006. I was I was a new supervisor then, and uh, Mike Perez was the uh, he was the port director. He was the big boss over the uh, port of entry there and uh, ran the U.S. Customs side. And uh, he called me one day. He said, "Hey, Sandy," he said, uh, yeah, "He said I've got a situation down here." He said, "Would you mind coming down here and talking to these people?" And, uh, and I said, no. I said, I'll be right there. He said, they, he said there's too much to say. You just come down so you can, you can hear from them. So I went down to the port of entry, and uh, Mike and I sat down with this. Uh, it was two couples, and uh, uh, husband and wife, and uh, they were distraught. They were at their ropes end. You could tell they were very upset and just didn't know what else to do. So as the story goes, they had two sons. Each one, each each couple had a son that was going to college in the United States at the University of Texas. And uh, these people had, you know, a decent amount of money it looked like, and you know, they were fluent and educated. And uh, and so, their sons one night were at a uh, were drinking in a bar called. Uh, let me think a second. I think it's called. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word for this. It's called the cave. Uh, I think I'll think of the Spanish word here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, though so they were in the cave drinking, well, they got to argue with a couple of these members of the Zephyrs. Both these boys had boxed, and you know they were rough and tumble guys. And so they got to argue with these two members of the Zephyrs organization. Well, they, these uh, two boys, college age kids, uh, got into fist fight, and, and I, they, according to the parents, they gave the, the Zephyr guys a pretty good thumping and uh, won the fight. But they ended up losing the war because. <clears throat> Shortly after they had left the bar, then a group of Zethas swept in, took them uh, prisoner, and uh, took them off to a hidden location and uh, were holding them for ransom. And so uh, I asked them, I said, well, I said, well, have you reported this to the Mexican authorities? And they said, we have. And I said, well, what do they, what do the Mexican authorities say? He said, I said, we're afraid. They said, they're afraid. They won't do anything about this. They said, I said, well, what demands are the uh, Zethas making on you? And they said, first of all, they want $100,000 from each of us, both couples. And they said they want the deeds to our, our, our homes. And you know, they had very nice houses. They said, we want the deeds to your homes. And, uh, and then once we give your kids back, then uh, then you need to leave. We want you to leave and never come back. And uh, and so they said, well, we can agree to give you the home, but we don't have $100,000. They said, well, they said every time, every, every week it goes by, that you don't produce $100,000, we're going to send you a part of your son back. So, sure enough, true to the word, about a week later, they're, they're telling me this is already, this is a week later, they, they send an ear from one of the boys and they said they, uh, they digit off a little finger off of another one of the boys. And so, of course, the parents were very upset. And so, uh, but once again, I asked, I said, well, so, I mean, so, but have you talked to anybody in the Mexican government that can help you? And they just said, everybody is scared to death of these people. They won't make a move, and uh, because they uh, they they want politically, it was going to defect them. And too, like I said, they were just a dangerous bunch. And so I left that, and I, I told them that they were asking for our assistance, and you know there wasn't a whole lot we could do. 
And uh, I told him I would contact our attache office in, in uh, Monterey and try to get some cooperation to help them. And uh, but they, uh, I said, but you know, unless the Mexican government makes a request to us to come in and help, I said we can't invade Mexico and get these guys back for you. And uh, and so, <clears throat> make a long story short, eventually the uh, they got the boys back, and, but they had to come up with a hundred thousand dollars. And they gave up the titles of their their homes, and so so what's the the moral to this story? Okay, and I I remember talking with my agents about this when it happened. I said, you know, I said, what would we do if we were in Mexico in that situation? Okay, as Americans, say say it happened in America, same thing happened here, that a group came over and took over and started demanding all these things and, and muscling their way in. What would we do? And, uh, and and the general response was. That, uh, well, you know, if the government wouldn't step in and, and help us out, then we just got to take up, you know, arms and go do take care of these, of these guys ourselves. And I said, yeah, I said, uh, but here's the thing. I said, the people in Mexico, for the most, the only people who have guns in Mexico are the police, the military, and, and the cartels. Where are you going to fight with? And, uh, so, uh, you know, brought the, brought the life some, some, some interesting situ- situation that we find ourselves in America heading towards now. And so we thought this would never be able to happen in America, and I'm sure hoping that it doesn't. But we're at a point now where we're sitting back and watching this these, this uh, anarchy take over our cities and get to the point now that, that we're going to have to take action and do something about it. Or we're going to go the same route that, that, that Coahuila did with the Zetas in Mexico. And so any, any comments on that, Dave? I find it... Uh... <laughs> You know, the similarity is is uh, spooky, um, and and you were there, been there, done that, and uh, if we as a general public don't stand up, we're not going to be able to sit down, and you right. know we should support, uh, you know, like last week's show about uh, defunding uh, the the. Uh, Police departments, uh, you know, that's the craziest thing. They're our line of defense. They're they're the big fence between us and the bad guys, and the bad guys are just looking for the opportunity to come in and get the good guys. And we will find more and more of this. I've I've forgotten uh, which city it was or is that the crime rate has gone up three hundred percent. I can't remember. I think it's Seattle, but I wouldn't swear to it. But the crime rate, three hundred percent. And what's wow. what's gonna? You know, we have a place here in Atlanta called Midtown, and uh, it's a it's a millennial type. It was. The old hippies that have done well and made a lot of money, and uh, and it's cool to live downtown. And uh, we also have, a, you know, a couple of celebrations that uh, every year get out of hand a bit. And uh, people, you know, they're protesters or whatever you want to call them, whatever their thing happens to be that year, uh, they will start marching through this section of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, I guess that marching really puts a strain on your bladder and your colon. 
And all of a sudden, these $400 million, $500 million homes in their front yard, they look out the window and there are people uh, using their front yard for their local bathroom. And it wow. finally started dawning on some of the millennials that live down there that, uh, hey, you know, this isn't right. This is my yard. Uh, and, you know, they decided that uh, it was either time to move or get the police in and doing something instead of letting the tail wag the dog. Right. And, 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 uh, and, and like I say, what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, the police won't respond. And you really can't blame them because, you know, they're not getting support. Uh, if they do, if they do fight back, they're afraid to do their jobs now. And because of the, uh, the, uh, all the, the issues that come along with using force when force is necessary. And, uh, so, you know, you're, you're seeing a disintegration. And, uh, and I think, you know, like I said, and here's the thing about Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I mean, this has gone way beyond. They're, they're no longer protesting the loss of, of, uh, of one or two, uh, African American men at the hands no. of the police. What they're protesting, what they're doing now is fundamentally trying to change this country. And, uh, just like we saw with the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, or they call it the, the October Re- Revolution in Russia, and, uh, which forever changed Russia until, you know, finally the fall of the Soviet Union in, in the ni- early 1990s. And, uh, and then also, you know, looking at, uh, the way Joseph, uh, not in the way that, uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, took over Germany and then went over and tried to take over the world is that, you know, what we talked about, and, and it's just becomes obvious every time, you know, you see one of these regimes cut up start. It's always about, they're trying to, the, the, uh, the facade is, is they're gaining power by trying to appeal to the common man and trying to, uh, the same socialist communist thing you hear over and over again, Make everybody equal, equal pay, uh, you know, free medicine, all these things they promise. And, uh, all they're really promising though, when you look at these, at these regimes, is all they're promising is, is government interference with every aspect of your life. And that's what they want. And it's ultimate power. And that's, you know, ultimate power as, uh, you know, man has, uh, and there's a never ending cycle where, where, you know, like the Fidel Castro's of the world, they die and somebody else steps in and they try to achieve even more power than the, than their, their predecessors. And so, you know, so that's a, uh, there was a, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, uh, Igor Panari, I believe his name was. He was a, a Russian professor. And, uh, and when I first heard his, uh, read some of his, his philosophies on, on uh, what will happen to the United States in the future. And this was about 15 years ago. I remember reading this before I I ever went to work over in Russia. And uh, he was predicting that the United States would split up into two or three different factions or just like, you know, what they were trying to do back in the uh, the, uh, Civil War. And I thought, no, I said, that's not going to happen. And uh, it looks to me like, you know, he may not be too far off. And uh, because of such, he said, basically he said, because there's such a divide in the way that people in America believe that, that it should be governed and the way that, and the, what the, uh, what the uh, uh, social system of the United States should be, that you're never going to have peace. I also had a, an African-American professor when I was working on uh, one of my uh, criminal justice studies in college uh, said the same thing. If, if I had him for, uh, and I won't give his name because I don't want to get him in trouble, but... Uh, 
I had him for international police studies. And basically, we were studying all the different police forces around the world and the ju- judicial systems and how they work. And he had he made the summer prediction. He said, you know, he said, the problem in the United States, he said, he said, everybody in Japan, you know, they have kind of the same, they, they, they look alike, they have the same uh, belief system, they, they're all raised the same way, same way with Norway, you know, these different countries. He said the United States, and he wasn't making a racial statement, he was talking about, he was talking about the way people think. And he said, uh, he said, there's just too big of a divide for there to be for too long, you know, peace in this country. He said at some point there's going to be a breaking point and we're going to see either, you know, the formation of different countries within the United States or the dissolving of what we know as the United States and, and then the formation of a country that we probably wouldn't like that much. And uh, so interesting topics. Any, any comments? Yeah. You know, uh, I mentioned this, I've mentioned it to you several times that a professor from Lubbock Christian College uh, was saying exactly the same thing uh, in 1956, that, uh, you know, the Russians would pick us over and, and never have to fire a bullet. They'd never have to use a nuclear weapon. They would just infiltrate the universities, and then the universities would send out people that infiltrated the high schools. And you made a comment, and, and you did it. you did it probably just to get me get me going but uh the one term that i hate and i've told you this before is and they're doing it the communists are doing it as we speak rewriting history which that's uh, that's an oxymoron history is history and you can't rewrite it and it's and no matter what they want to do you can only sweep so much dirt under the rug and then that rug will start spitting out the dirt and the truth about history and you know it's going to be interesting uh, I probably won't be around but it'll be interesting to see what is written about the pandemic and uh, you know if history repeats itself and this this whole thing is like I said there's no coincidence coincidences uh, it's the perfect storm, and everybody is uptight, and more folks that I know are locked and loaded. Well, you know, that's the old famous uh, KGB and FSB saying that there's no no such thing as a coincidence. And uh, the more you think about that, you know, they're probably right. And uh, But, you know, here's the thing, though. I mean, just... Uh, I don't think that they need a whole lot of help. I mean, if they want to uh, dismantle what this country was set up to do, I mean, we're pretty much doing it to ourselves. And, uh, and so, you know, so the question is, okay, so like talk about, okay, we, we've identified the problem, where it's going, okay, where did the problem come from? You know, how did things, how did our view of life change so much? It, to the point, you know, if you're familiar with the uh, when the Yugoslavia uh, dissolved and fell after uh, Slobodan Milosevic uh, uh, was ousted from power, actually he stepped out. I believe I have to go back and reread what happened to him. But you know what you saw in Yugoslavia was the uh, once the uh, they were they were a unified group of former states and and territories, and then you saw uh, the different you know ethnic groups. You saw the different religions. You saw the different, uh, uh, you know, 
I'm trying to think of what the word is, not so much, but, you know, different philosophies, you know, that these different uh, groups of people had, they started, they started, they started going back to their original territories. And that's how most of the war, that, that's how the war started over in, uh, what was the former, uh, Yugoslav, uh, Republic. And, uh, but, you know, we could, we, if we don't get this under control, we're going to see a very similar type of breakdown in this society, in our country in which we live, because that's what exactly what's going to happen. Is that if you think about it, I mean, there's so many different, uh, uh, you know, ethnic groups and so many different ways of life. People, you know, this, for example, you know, life in Texas is nothing like life in New York at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, and so you're going to see a breakdown there and, uh, a similar along the lines. And, and hopefully we don't get to that point. But, but the situation, but the thing is, I mean, the bottom line is, is, you know, we've got to, we're at a point now. If the police and the government aren't going to fix this and they're often, they're, they're proving over and over again, they're not going to do it. And it's probably about time for us as, as citizens to take an active role in this and start out peacefully, but start demanding that these lawmakers and that your local police, all the people that, that we're paying tax dollar, tax money to to take care of all these situations, start out saying, hey, get in there and do it. And just well, let them know, if you're not going to do it, then we're going to step in and do it. It's yeah. how this country was formed. If, and, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw it last night, but if we don't get governors that will stand up and take care of their states and mayors but if you saw Como last night um, it it was just a real good thing he wasn't in my living room other than on the TV and uh, the TV wishes that it hadn't been in my living room but Como is sitting there in one of his prima donna interviews well you know, the riots are really good in taking down the statues. Uh, I, you know, I really support that. I, I think that's a good idea to take down the statues and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll change history. And, you know, how can anyone in their right mind want to take down or destroy statues that are about our people that built this country? Como damn sure didn't build a country. He doesn't do anything but whine. And, uh, and a, a statue of Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, he was one of arguably one of the most popular presidents of, of in our in our country's history. What did he do? You know, other than be a genius and and, uh, and a great uniter, protector of the United States. Yeah, and the Rough Rider. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just. I'm so old, I guess, and so stupid, I can't get a handle on, you know, I can sort of in the South, sort of, only sort of, say, okay, if they're cramming a Robert E. Lee statue down my throat and I'm black, that I'm not going to go to a high school called Robert E. Lee High School uh, for blacks. You know, I can see how right. that would get under their skin. But, right. you know, at the same token, uh, when are we tearing down the Martin Luther King statues? Right. You well, know? I don't know if you heard, and, and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, he's from Austin, and, and a great blues and rock uh, guitar player, and, and uh, tragically died in, uh, I believe it was around 1990, in a helicopter crash. You know, this guy was an amazing uh, uh, musician and dedicated his life to it. 
and uh, and basically was playing, you know, the black man's music. I mean, he was he was and he was had it recorded with probably every you know major living blues uh, player singer that was alive during his life. And, uh, you know, was very respected by the African-American community and was liked and, and uh, gave credit to, uh, you know, he knew so much about the history of blues music. And, and uh, well, in Austin, just a couple of days ago, they sprayed graffiti all over his statue, which is downtown Austin. You know, what's the, so where, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not just that they want, there's a, they want a total transformation of what this country is about. And so, and so like I said, we're getting to the point now that you can almost, I, I call this treason, okay? Because if you don't like it, there are plenty of other countries over there that you can go to that will be just as, uh, as, uh, dogmatic and, and dictatorial as you want to be over your life. But this is not it. I mean, I, I guess I talked about, you know, people ask me, you know, what do I believe in? Where do I stand? I'm, I say, I'm not left, I'm not right. I believe in freedom. And I believe people should be free to pursue what they want to do in life, and as long as you're not causing pain or grief to someone else, then you know, then you know, the more freedom we have, the less government interference we have, the better off we are. Well, and uh, you know, this this comes back to I got in many many arguments with uh, one of our hosts uh, on and off mic, basically off mic. But you were there, and you can tell me if. You and when when I was in Texas, they were called wetbacks. But uh, if somebody crosses and comes into Texas illegally, as far as I can tell, that's breaking the law. Period. Right. No ifs, ands, and buts. It's breaking the law. If I take a can of red spray paint and start spraying it all over a statue or anything on your building or anything else, that's breaking the law. And, you know, a country can't survive without laws, and laws can't survive without law enforcement. And just what you were saying, if we don't put a stop to this now, it's going to be a snowball rolling downhill, and I don't want to be at the bottom of the hill. Right. This is scary. That's right. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's scary, you know. Oh, it is. No. And so, you know, and so I, kind of, I, I have a tendency, the older I get, the more off track I get. <laughs> <laughs> you always, you'll come up with an interesting point I didn't think about, Dave, and I'll spit off. And, and so, but I want to come back, you know, and, and you tell me if you agree with me or, or disagree with me, but, you know, I put, you know, I, I put the blame. Okay, where is this, this where's this uh, anarchist, communist uh, thinking coming from? I mean, how is it? How is it really getting into the uh, young people of this country? And, uh, and we talked about this a while back, uh, about education and, you know, and it's being taught to them, not only in the, uh, the, the public school grades one through 12, it's also, I mean, in colleges now, universities that we continue to fund, regardless of what they, they, this, this insanity they put out there. I mean, this is where the majority of this thought's coming from. And we talk about this. You got you're, we're now in this country where you have these you know, third and fourth generation professors. Uh, I'm not talking about professors of, of uh, physics and and uh, or uh, chemistry. I mean, if, if you want to, if you need to go, to, if you want to become a doctor, you need to get college education because you need to know it's, 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 you need to have the best teaching. 
But we talk about these liberal arts professors who teach history and, and teach speech and, and whatever else they teach, you know, uh, literature. You know, these are the guys that are, you know, that, you know, for the most part, they never really had a real job. They've they stayed in academia their entire career. They've learned this from people before them, and they just try to top the guy before them with, with you know, with, with more theories of, of what will make a harmonious world. And uh, but and I argue with this with with, uh, with my youngest son a lot. I mean, with if you don't have experience in life, how do you know, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work, and what's worth changing and what's not worth changing? And so. You know, this is something that I, I talked about. You know, the, the old days of, of spending, you know, all that money sending a kid off to college. My advice to parents nowadays is really look hard at the university that they want to go to, and uh, and if it doesn't teach facts, and it's, it's more of a uh, more of a uh, uh, hypothetical, theoretical type of college, don't waste your money and send them there. I mean, make them. You know, if they want you want to educate them, put them in a, a trade school. Let them learn how, you know, where they can make a, not just a, a living, but a good living, and then let them put themselves to college if they want to learn, if they want to go that route. And, uh, but, you know, but yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, I see all these, and I remember back, you know, the different things that I was taught. And, uh, it was just kind of starting back when I was in college. It was more fact based back then, but, you know, that we were young and dumb and we didn't know the difference between right and left wing back then. And, uh, and it really wasn't that big of an issue back then. And, but like it is today. And uh, so, but yeah, like I say, you know, you, you want to look at this. I mean, you know, where do you start? Well, stop contributing to these universities that that uh, that are trying to overthrow the way we live in this country. Yeah, and let, let their players take a kneel. Let their players take a shot. That's what they should do. By the way, I've been supporting, and you can <laughs> jump in uh, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. But as far as I'm concerned, with these riders and. The, anybody that's carrying a brick or throwing a brick is a rioter, terrorist, treasonous, whatever you want to call them. But I'm for the police going in or the military. I don't care which one. But going in and taking buses, strip out all the seats out of the buses, except for the bus driver, and protect him. But you round up any of these people that are throwing bricks or burning or... You know, whatever they're doing, you round them up and you put them on these buses and then you take them to the closest military recruiting office and check them in and let the let the judge say, "Okay, well, you've got a choice. You can go to jail for the next five years or you can join the military volunteer for the next four years. Which one do you want? And I know some drill sergeants that will jerk a knot in a few necks, but uh, when they get through with the kids, they will know how to respect the flag, and they'll know how to respect a country that has been wonderful to them, whether they believe it or not. Right. And, you know, and I, and I, you know, people, you know, I've, I've talked to people all around the world, and, uh, and they, and they, you know, they'll, they'll tell you there's no, there's no better place, there's no better quality of living than, than you have in this country right here. And the United States, some of the United States. And it's true. I mean, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to opportunity, I mean, it's still there. And, uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, if we want to continue to be there, I mean, it, we're, we're kind of getting to the point now that, you know, maybe, maybe not, not really kind of getting there. I mean, we are at the point that, you know, we as the citizens got to start standing up and first let's do it peacefully, let's demand that 
that uh, that you know the people that were paying to do these keep all the worst of us do it, and if they don't, then we're going to have to have to regroup and, and maybe step in there and do it ourselves. I mean, they're calling these uh, these uh, riders uh, vigilantes, and and uh, you know I don't advocate vigilante justice, but at the same time, I'm not going to stand by like the people in Mexico had to and just let their lives be ruined by a bunch of thugs. I mean, we're just not going to do it, and. Uh, and it's one of those things. I mean, you're going to have to make a decision. You know, pacification is, is what is what uh, is what made uh, is what made Germany you know fall the direction it did, made Russia go away in for all those years. And uh, so, you know, interesting point about you know the uh, the the Russian Revolution, and and this is you know and this it follows you know, it follows every revolution. You know, the first things that they do. Yeah, when they uh, when there is a communist takeover, they say they have to. Not only do they have to control every aspect of life, but they also have to go in there and purge the government because the, the city government because you know they don't agree. I mean, you can't have they would. As you see that these 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 uh, the, these far left uh, demonstrators, the people pushing this movement, they don't want to hear anything from the other side. They they want to silence you. They want to move past you. They want to get you out of the way. And that, and no matter how you have to do it. And so if you don't think that will, will happen in this country, if they should ever get control, look at what happened to Russia. I mean, you know, within a year, which I'm surprised as long as they, they, uh, killed, uh, the Tsar, uh, Nicholas Romanov, who was the last of the Romanov dynasty, and, uh, they killed his family. They, uh, interred all the, the entire government. This is in St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg was actually the capital of Russia at this time. It wasn't Moscow. And, uh, but they, uh, that's where the, uh, the czars live and, uh, is where they, they govern from. But they, the, a famous prison there called the Cresty Prison, and I've been in it before, and it's, it's, it's a, it was built for, okay, for political prisoners. I mean, it's a huge prison built for housing political prisoners. And as they call it then, dangerous political prisoners. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, so they had, and I don't, I don't have the number on how many, but they, government officials they put here, but they basically rounded up everybody, and they put them in there. Now, there's an additional prison that they used. It's over on the island of uh, Peter, the Peter and Paul Fortress, where all the czars were buried in, in, a, in a cathedral there. Not, well, they're interred, not really buried, they're interred. And, uh, but uh, this famous uh, prison, uh, it was uh, operated up, it was built in, in the, it started built in 1706, but it was uh, finished, they didn't stop using it until like, you know, the end of the 1920s. But they would actually put dangerous political prisoners in this prison as well and uh and they would be in solitary confinement for however, however long their their sentence was and they would literally have guards there was a, a little a, a hole there in the door that which they would give them food and stuff you know that they needed but to it, they would literally watch them you know they would take breaks you know they'd have two prisoners sign one they'd watch for 30 minutes to 30 minutes Every move that person made in that in that uh, that jail cell, and so you know, the, so the first thing they do is they're going to go in there and, and, and start. You know, they're going to anybody who didn't think the way they thought is going to go to prison. You know, anybody that, if you're an important person in in a in a true democratic society like we have, you're going to end up in prison because you know you're in the way, and uh, and so you know, and the Zetas kind of did the same thing. I mean, they went in there and just uh, they over. Through everybody, but nobody would stand up to them, and uh, you know. And then I say that you have you have a dictatorship, you know, running an area, in an area. And so, uh, 
but uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's it's history piece. Now, for granted, you know, Czar uh, Nicholas. Uh, I, I can't remember. Did I called Czar Nicholas earlier. I think so. Okay, yeah, I'll, yeah I get my. I was say when I when I said too much, I started getting my nose up. It was Czar Nicholas. Now, for granted, he did some dumb things. I mean, it wasn't like you know. They were needing a change. They they were the you know, he was a monarch and, and that was the last monarch of Russia. And that's kind of when the monarchies died throughout you know uh, Europe and all. And uh, and he had sent uh, that was uh, World War the one in World War One. He sent off you know I think I can't remember how many Russians he sent to fight in World War One, but they lost close to six million soldiers, and uh, which really bankrupted the country because there was nobody there to work and produce, and so. You know what had happened to his net, his uh, negligence. Then you had uh, the people were, were literally starving. There was no food, and, and uh, but of course you know then uh, then the uh, the Vladimir Lenin stepped in. He saw his opportunity. The the you know, the, 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 the 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 father. I guess I call him the father of communism. And uh, he stepped in and took advantage and, and took over. And uh, but you know so but that said, I mean I mean you know it's so we. The, History that you look at at the uh, total dictatorship that they call communism that ran Russia up until the 1990s. You know, it was just uh, you know they they were killing people that tried to leave. You know, <laughs> and here we are, people who try, willing to die to come into this country. <laughs> and so, and, uh, and, and Putin is not uh, is above killing people. Ah, uh, I have no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to put you in a in a spot, but you know, it's uh, this this is like I keep saying, and I've said this now for fifteen years. Um, this is planned. You can't you can't just go down the street and say follow. Well, Jesus could, but that's about it. Follow me, and have these thugs follow you. Uh, Right. It doesn't happen like that. This is planned. They've got their orders. They've got their uh, their people in place of uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, officers and enlisted and so forth and so on. They've got their command roster, you know, and uh, and they have something else that the reason other things have failed, but this one won't, is the fact that they have communications. And we have right. communications today like we've never had before. And, uh, you know, like they were reporting in Atlanta that uh, some of the protesters, you know, were reporting on, well, the police are at so-and-so. Okay, the police are headed south on so-and-so. Okay, the police are headed west on so-and-so. And they were tracking the police better than the police were tracking them. Wow. And, wow. Um, you know, this is... People have to wake up, and right. we, we still have one thing, if the people will wake up, and that's the right to vote. And find right. out whoever you're voting for, you think you're going to vote for, and for whatever office, pin them down. Where do you stand on this? And if they don't stand with law enforcement and protecting our police department... Then don't vote for him. Well, if, if you think I'm overreacting on this, then let me let me ask you. And I'm not saying you personally. I'm just talking to the, 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 the listeners. You know, look at what this movement's trying to do. They're trying
trying to change history. Okay, they're attacking churches. And they're trying to understand that they're they're trying to tear down and, and and putting graffiti on statues of Jesus, of Gandhi, of religious leaders. You know, uh, and and so this is all the same thing that that they did when they formed the Soviet Union. They got rid of religion. They they rewrote history. Uh, they did all the same things. And so if you think that this, these guys are, are, are you know, going to, if they ever do get control, which we're not going to let them, if you think they're going to live, put you in a harmonious life, that's not going to happen. I mean, you're going to, it'll be, it'll be a life of, of pain and misery that you never thought could ever happen to you. Sandy, what, uh, you know, there's a, a military term and, but it's used, it's been used since the Romans before the Romans. And, it is every every military officer, every commander, every anybody that's ever been in the military or is in the military. What's what's D and D? Say it again. What is D D and D? Divide and conquer. Uh, D and C. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, divide uh, and yeah, conquer. Gotcha. You know? gotcha. 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 And that's but yeah. that's that's what they're doing with this. They're you know. They'll get the liberals on their side, and then they'll go after the conservatives for overreacting or this or that and divide, divide, divide. And when you've right. got division, then there is no coalition of standing together. And right now I would say, and I, I'm preaching to myself because I I certainly haven't done it like I should, but... Everybody needs to know and get to know their neighbor. And the other thing in the military is, I've got your six, I've got your back, whatever you want to call it. But it's going to come to neighbor taking care of neighbor at some point, I think. Right, right. So I say that, and I always tell people, you know, if you if you believe in something in a movement, I mean. This is America. You have the constitutional right to believe in it and uh, talk about it. And, uh, and uh, but at the same time, look real hard at what you're committing yourself to, what you're going to follow. And Absolutely. look at not only don't look at what they tell you. Look at the history of the organization. Look at the history of what they have done, and, and look at what they plan to do in the future. You know, and then make up your own mind. And uh, but. Uh, with, with that being said, we're going to have to put the plug in the jug here very shortly, and I wanted to make one other note to folks. And we have, I am flattered and honored and really just want to thank us. I don't want to put out names, but I do want to thank some folks that have become patrons, and they're sending us, uh, you know, through become a patron of America's Web Radio. You get a newsletter and uh, some other exciting things, but you also get to hear people like Sandy, people like, uh, oh, one other thing I want, I gotta mention this. There's a guy named Grossclose, Timothy Grossclose, and he's a professor at George Mason University. And if you didn't see him on Levine the other night, then you've gotta go to it, and you've got, he's written a book called Left Turn. And he has written just what Sandy was talking about today, so, Go get his book and get prepared because, like he said, it is coming. And uh, nobody can be happy about what is coming. Sandy, thank you very much. we got to get out of here. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, sir. Take care.
Thank you. You too. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.